Hey! This is JJ and Alex. I made a name for myself, I told you I won't be denied. As you wrap up your day, it's time to get your fix of the teams you live for and the sports you love. This is JJ and Alex, presented by G2G Bars on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Waterman three left side. That's oh! good! <laughs> Noah Waterman for three! Splish splash! BYU can bounce this one out. The Cougars come to the home of college basketball and emerge from the fog victorious. The Cougs have won it. 76 to 68, BYU is a winner. And the nation's third longest home court win streak is ended. 19 in a row ends with the Cougars prevailing. 76 to 68. Oh my. Was that last night? Felt like it was about uh, three weeks ago now because of all the time we've talked about all day long that insane win in Kansas. If you would have had on your on your bingo card for first year in the Big 12, JJ, if you'd have had gonna lose in Lawrence in the football on the football field, <laughs> gonna get your first win though in the Big 12 uh, at Kansas, the first year you're in it. You probably wouldn't have. Si- you probably would not have signed that bingo card. Sounds like a good would you rather. Would no. you rather lose in football oh. in Lawrence or win in basketball? I think we got the answer last. I time. think we did too. I also hey shout out to Greg Rebell for that call. That was genius. Yes, emerge from the fog victorious. Did, did he have nailed that, it? Did he have it written down? Don't care. Like in that the, was perfect. It, Greg's a pretty good improver. So that's the kind of thing. Is. That's the kind of thing where I'm like. But, I mean, like, it's hard not to have that one chambered a little bit. Oh, that was good. Emerges from the fog. And, look, when people started walking out, and, again, I'm listening to it last night. I heard the whole call. I'm listening last night to that second half, and I'm in the car, and I'm going, well, they're not going to they're not gonna win. Like, <laughs> everybody, everybody, and including this, this BYU team, has been a little bit of a struggle in second halves on the road, especially. So I didn't know what to think. And so when they were able to hit the threes and Kansas was not, and I get to hear Greg and, and Mark, I couldn't believe it. I could not believe what I was hearing. We had a discussion not a month ago, JJ, about about what how insane playing at Kansas and winning at Kansas is. Because Bill Self since 2003, which is what, 21, 21 seasons now. He's in his 21st season now. He has lost 17 times at home. In that's, 21 seasons. That's less than one per year. 299 and 17 is the record. They 299 ha- and 17. So they had a 19-game win streak, and they had an 84-game win streak when leading at the half at home. Bah. And BYU snapped that streak. It was wild. And then on top of it, you may have started to forget a little bit about what was going on in Utah State's world. <laughs> don't forget though, right? I think we got a. Don't we have a, a Scotty call up uh, that we're that we're avail- that, that's available? Our poor uh, colleague Scotty G had to call a, ba- a a basketball game, and then has to go into overtime when he had already lost his uh, his voice in the second half. Here's what it sounded like last night at Fresno. Forty seconds left to go. Round near the elbow. Takes the three. Right wing. Yes. There you go. Darius Brown. Oh, yes, a huge three by Darius Brown. The veteran delivers again. He he said, I apologize for my Peter Brady voice. 
That was such a weird night because I'm going to be blunt. The Aggies stunk last night. That's one of the worst games they've played all season long. But credit to them, they still found a way to win that game, which says a lot about Utah State. There are games like that on the calendar every year, right? Yeah. You have like – I thought it was interesting because I was listening to DJ and PK this morning, and Greg came on their show. Greg Rebell went on their show, and he said something that was fascinating. He goes, in the Big 12, you play with this amount of hope when you go into these games. When you're in the WCC, because they were asking about, like, has there been anybody ever to just made a transition like this this quickly, right? And the answer was, nah, not that we could, you know, like come up with. But Greg said, yeah, but it's such a nice change to be able to go from venue to venue and you have a hope that I'm going to go in here and I'm going to and I'm going to make some history tonight versus I'm going to go to Pepperdine and just try not to lose. Right. That was the attitude. That's the difference. That's why BYU fans, you should be extremely glad <laughs> that this is where you're at right now. Not just not just beating Kansas and Lawrence. That's an insane. That's a a luxury that you were we had no idea that you could live through, right? But to be able to go in and say you don't have to go in to Pacific once a year and then just go, please don't have a, a lay an egg. And for the Aggies, it's been a phenomenal year for Danny Sprinkle and his guys. But there's a night, there are nights where you have like that, and working through it and still finding a win, in my mind, is just as impressive because those are the those are the games where you go in and the, and, and everyone's just going, hey, don't screw this up, dude. Hey, don't screw this up. How many hey, don't screw this up says BYU in the WC screw, WCC screwed Every up? Every game that didn't that didn't involve Gonzaga and St. Mary's. Right. Every single week. That's the week. fear every week. And so I, I, that's why, in my mind, Utah State can't be overlooked of what they've been doing still, and they're continuing it. That, to me, that's just as interesting part of the, uh, of the uh, story this year for the Aggies because they were, <laughs> by the way, at the beginning of the year, you thought they were going to lose – at least one game to Fresno State anyway. And then Fresno turned into a garbage basketball well, team this at year. At the beginning somehow. of the year, you thought the Aggies were going to be at the bottom <laughs> right. of the Mountain West standings. Right. And at the beginning of the year, you had no idea how good the Mountain West really was. This is currently a six-bid league. And who's in first place? Los the Aggies. Utah State Aggies. Mm-hmm. We talk about close games and winning close games and how important that is in March. Utah State is now 8 no. In games decided by five points or less. Again, that's it's hard to do, even on Perfect. A, even on a nightly basis like this, to go in there. Man, we're getting ahead of it. Uh, I've been gone a couple of days, so I'm I'm uh, interested to get back into just the swing of things here. So let's jump in. Let's get going on the program. Our show is always brought to you by G2G bars, all natural ingredients, no preservatives. The G2G bar is perfect for anybody who needs a quick, tasty, and nutritious boost. I noticed that there's still some in the fridge. Congratulations. You guys it's didn't. It's a miracle. <laughs> you guys didn't eat all of them we did while not. I was gone. Good. All right. Let's kick the show off as we always do here with The Cut. It's time for the biggest story of the day. This is what made The Cut with JJ and Alex on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Trajan Wealth also bringing you The Cut. T R A J A N Wealth.com. That's TrajanWealth.com. That's how you spell it. That's how you get to it. All right. Let's talk about it. Uh, we've been, I don't know, this has been a massive, uh, this is, I mean, look, we just did not expect the basketball season to go this way. And so let's 
chat. We're, a little bit later in the program, we're going to speak with uh, Mitch Harper again. Mitch came on yesterday, of course, but it doesn't matter because you got to talk to him after the win. He was in Lawrence. Uh, on top of it, you've got so many more things to uh, to jump into here. So let's let's go into this BYU one very quickly. Give me some numbers on how big of a situation that this really is, JJ. Because in the end, first of all, the amount of AP top twenty-five wins that BYU has had, I got to double check this. Double check this stat, but I don't know if there's. I think that there was some insane thing like top twenty-five wins. BYU's at four in the regular season here. Four top top twenty-five AP top twenty-five wins. Now the the reason that's a hard thing to do is because. To have your conference have four top 25 AP teams to beat at any given time is a hard thing. It's one thing to have your Dukes and your North Carolinas and a Wake Forest in there every once in a while or an NC State or something. It's another to have five or six teams all season long that have been ranked in the top 25, and BYU has won four of those matchups, including two top 10 matchups. Uh, The Baylor win, now starting to look like, oh, well, that was easy work compared to going into Lawrence. This is what makes BYU – an insane team and very scary for teams who are going to be facing them in the NCAA tournament. Mention the teams that they beat that were top 25. You mentioned two of them. Baylor, obviously. Kansas, obviously. Mm-hmm. Baylor. Iowa, Iowa State. State. Yeah, don't forget those guys. Don't sleep on Iowa State. The Cyclones are a top 10 program right now. And San Diego State was in the national championship game last year. And we saw last week, we've seen earlier in the season when they played the Aggies, how good San Diego State is. And we saw it when they played BYU earlier in the year. San Diego State is still a really good basketball team that's probably going to be a four or a five seed. Right, projected four seed today. In the NCAA tournament. Wild. I've never, I can't, obviously never, BYU has never had a season like this where they've beat so many good teams. And to do this in the Fog Allen Fieldhouse, <laughs> when nobody believed they could, when no one thought they were capable of this. When they were down 12 in the second half. Kansas had an 82-game home win streak when leading a halftime. BYU found a way. Kansas had a 19-game home win streak. Yep. Third longest in the country. BYU found a way. Kansas had a 67-game home win streak against unranked teams. Kind of misleading. BYU was ranked last week. <laughs> right. Nonetheless... BYU unranked when they played them. BYU ends that streak. Right. What BYU did last night, no one could have predicted. And I think that we obviously pay attention to them, but I think now the college basketball world, media fans across the country are going to pay attention now. They made a statement last night at Fog Allen Fieldhouse, and this was a statement win for BYU. And what this did for me is it shows me what they are capable of. I can take this game or this team seriously in the NCAA tournament. They are a threat to go deep as long as they're hitting those threes. What they do last night, 13 of 34 from three. Awesome. The threes were falling. Kansas. Was- we knew the recipe for beating Kansas was yes. you got to make your threes. It's been a problem for BYU in games where they don't make the three-pointer. They don't, they don't win, especially if they don't shoot 35%. Mm. Their odds of winning go down, way down. But Kansas was a team that was going to control the rim. They were going to control the paint. They were going to use their athleticism and their strength and their size to overpower BYU with the rim. <clears throat> BYU had to do what they did last night. And credit Foose. Fusini Traore 
who suddenly turned into a playmaker because they kept playing the ball through him, running the offense through him. He had five assists. He was kicking the ball out to open three-point shooters. Kansas had to respect his inside game enough to free up shooters, create space for BYU to do what they did to get quality looks and make shots in that game. Jackson Robinson was great, 18 off the bench. Dallin Hall, 18 off the bench, including the dagger. Mm-hmm. Just absolute unbelievable moment when he's up there one-on-one, takes a couple dribbles through the legs, steps back, and delivers a dagger, shooting with supreme confidence. BYU proved last night that they are a legitimate force to be reckoned with in the NCAA tournament. I I was reading up, you know, because James Naismith uh, coached at Kansas. The guy who invented basketball. Did you know that? I'm really? <laughs> I had no idea. Now, Fog Allen, I was like, why is it not the James Naismith gymnasium, right? Now, Fog Allen was obviously historically one of their, I mean, this national championships. Yes. And But I did not I did not know this either. And then I went, yeah, you need to name that, uh, that uh, field house after him. You know why? He wasn't just the athletic director at Kansas at one point. In the 20, or in the 1920 season, uh, t- uh, tell me if you've ever had a coach do this before. Fog Allen was the head coach, uh, head basketball coach. He was also the head football coach. <laughs> and then he was the head baseball coach a couple decades later. <laughs> that might explain why their football program was so historically bad. Like We're focused over in other directions you, over you're here. You're stretching Fog way too thick. I know. What's like, our baseball team like? What were they let like? Let them just this? focus on one team. <laughs> So Jeez. in the end, I was like, because that that was brought up because I was explaining, uh, I was explaining that fog was spelt P H O G uh, to one of my kids. I was like, yeah, it's it's P H O G, like it like it's a cool fog. It's like P H A T P H O G, and well, I don't. Like, are you fat or are you <laughs> fat? <laughs> right? Are you fog? Or are you fog? So in the end. I was just giving, hey, Jeremy, don't get mad about that. Those are things that someone just learned driving down the road. Did you know Fog Allen was the uh, baseball coach and the football coach? It's a fun fact. While he was also the basketball coach at I one was point? laughing at the— uh, Get out. You had your head in your hands. I don't appreciate that, right? Whatever. Now, by the way, I'm wasting all this time, and frankly, the next hour and a half of the show, <laughs> as much as I can, before we have to start talking about the Utah Jazz ba- uh, basketball team, all right? <laughs> So the, it's going to be a minute. So Jazz that's fans, that's where we that's where we have to be like, listen, things aren't good in Jazzland, but there's so many things to jump into. Uh, Mark Pope after the game, obviously, uh, this is a man who is a he's a historian, like he always has been. He's been usually the smartest guy in the room. If you've ever met with Mark Pope before, he's just he's a scholar of the game. He's exciting. He's he's excited. He's excitable. He's all all the things that you want in a, in a head basketball coach. And uh, and even though he knew getting that technical foul last night wasn't like really a uh, you know get the team fired up type of a deal because it gave away points to Kansas, but uh, it was quite a night. He is not lost on him how big of a deal it is to win at Kansas, especially the first year of the Big Twelve. I think the guys agree. Um, everybody that grows up knows what this place is. And then this was my first time walking into a game, and I've never seen an atmosphere quite like this. It's it's actually really special, and uh, this is a great team. And so I think as far ahead as we're thinking is um, just that we're grateful that we got an opportunity to to come compete here. And this, you know, it's one of the 
meccas and hallowed halls of basketball, and and um, and uh, we're really blessed that we, you know, really blessed and really fortunate to come away with a win. Is it crazy that uh, Mark Pope's like, boy, I've never been in an environment like this. This is a guy who went to Kentucky, right, and <laughs> played Kentucky basketball. I think he understands. And and listen, there are a lot of meccas of basketball, and it's crazy to think that BYU went in there and did it. What is Mark Pope telling his team this year that? we may be neglected to see in this team that he probably already saw in this in this group. I think he saw the talent last year. It just didn't come together as a team. And I think he's taught this team or, or he's been able to get this team to buy into the team concept, the team chemistry, all those things. Because they weren't this together last year. They didn't play like this. And to beat Kansas on the road – takes team effort, and you saw how connected they were last night. I mentioned Fusaini Traore, mm-hmm. who is a feed-the-post, go-get-a-bucket kind of guy. He's playmaking. He's he's almost like playing like Ali Khalifa, where he's almost playing like a high post, throw the ball around, set up your teammates for open looks, kind of changing his role on the fly, adapting to whatever's working in that situation and in that matchup. Getting guys to buy in to accept whatever role is necessary to get the win instead of focusing on what they need to do to get what they want. That's hard to do. And it's not necessarily that the, that the players on a team have bad intentions or, you know, if you've played team sports, you understand sometimes guys want to win so bad they think they have to do it all by themselves. And when you're not succeeding and when things are not going your way, then you press harder and then you don't trust teammates and then you try to do things all by yourself. Well, this team seems to trust each other. And it took a lot of trust to go into a place where you rarely win and pull off a victory. And I give Coach Pope credit for believing in the guys he had in his program because he easily could have hit the panic button in the offseason and said, if we're going to go into the Big 12, I need dogs. And I got to go out and get bigger, faster, stronger, this and that, higher rank, this and that. But he said, no, I believe in this group of guys. We recruited these guys. We brought them in. We're going to roll with these guys. We're going to go into the Big 12, and we're going to do it with humility and with a little bit of a chip on our shoulder because nobody believes we can do it and go out there and prove to everybody that you are better than what you showed last year. Oh, Remember last year? Hey, one of the (laughs) most disappointing BYU seasons Mm -hmm. that I can remember. They were... 19 and 15. They did not go to anything in the uh, postseason, any tournament. Seven and nine in the West Coast Conference. They were seven tied and for nine. Fifth. They are eight and seven in the Big 12. <laughs> make all right? it all make sense. Okay. That's where you're at. BYU is a 21 team right now with what, three games left? You got TCU. Who else do you have? I know you you end it with uh, Oklahoma oh, State, Oklahoma State, They've and got then Iowa, Iowa State, State the as well. Iowa State in Ames, and I would have said, "Oh well, that's a loss." But you well, know what? Now I'm thinking, you know what? Like, I still have pretty I low. I don't know. Like, I still have pretty low sports self esteem, JJ. <laughs> I will. Let's not get carried I'll be away. The first one. Okay, go, you mm. want to you want to fog out? Like, don't get too. <laughs> like Houston couldn't even right. beat Iowa State. By in the Ames. way, by the way. Iowa State got beat by BYU already this year. Do you think they're not thinking about that? You think they're not oh, thinking that's, about that's a that's a whole totally different beast that they're going to have to deal right. with next week. What you don't want is to take on TCU on Saturday and still be in the you ready for this the fog. 
I gave praise to Greg Rebell when we opened. <laughs> I will uh, I will give the same praise hey. to you as we close this segment. Come on. You nailed it. Yeah. All right. I'll take credit for it. That is a perfect 10. We got tons to talk about the rest of the uh, afternoon, of course. It's not just uh, – I mean, uh, Mitch Harper, who was in Lawrence, is going to join us. And I just want to know what that atmosphere was like because there weren't a lot of games that they were going to go to on the road, obviously, in Big 12 basketball play. We didn't budget for the idea of Mitch going to a lot of games in the Big 12 this year. Yeah. So no. I'm, I'm interested to see what Mitch's thoughts are, of course, uh, on this one. Huge one. Uh, we'll have him, and we will come back. We've got tons to uh, chat about, so we'll get right to it. We'll come back. More to go around the corner, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Your home for the best coverage of the Jazz, Utes, and Cougars is right here on the zone. This is JJ and Alex, presented by G2G Bars on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. When I say we play pitifully, that's also can give the appearance that I'm taking something away from BYU. BYU was better than us tonight. I mean, the second half, after we got up 12, the second half, they controlled it. and We hoped to score, and they actually ran offense to score. You know, give them credit. They caused us to look bad, and they were successful. Welcome back. JJ and Alex, 97.5 EKSL Sports Zone. Bill Self, now 18 losses in his 21 seasons as the head coach of the Kansas Jayhawks. Uh, Joining us right now on the program, Mitch Harper. He was there at the Fog Allen Fieldhouse. Let's talk about the environment first, Uh, Mitch. Is it overplayed? Is it overrated? I tend to think yes. I, I think the history there is awesome. It, it was a it was a great experience going to Allen Fieldhouse and seeing the I mean the names like if, if you know college basketball you just have like a reverence for that building like walking through their their legends hall and and seeing just some of the greats to think that Wilt Chamberlain played there I mean that's pretty cool and, and just and the players the the winning and that brand has always been good for decades and for BYU to go in there and and get a win. That's pretty big. And it's one of the all time wins, not only in BYU basketball, but BYU athletics history. Can you tell us what that uh, environment was like? We saw the signs of student sections. Amazing. Especially the sign that said, this is our temple. That was pretty funny. (laughs) Like it just seemed like it was a great uh, college football or college basketball environment. And, but yet BYU seemed to find a comfort level there. Uh, What was that dynamic like? Well, it was cool first to like be getting to the arena and you're seeing the, the college students walking to class to and from buildings. Like it's right in the middle of the campus. And, you know, that's just kind of a different dynamic than BYU where they, they you know, the, the Marriott Center's on the, the fringe of, of campus. It's not in the hub of, of all the campus buildings. So you're just seeing class, students go to and from, and then they head over to Allen Fieldhouse to line up and, and be in their seats about two hours before tip off. And, uh, they were energized, and that was a you know a packed crowd. And not only did the students stand, you know, a lot of the game, the entire fan, fan base uh, of Kansas, they're standing throughout the game. And, and there were stretches when BYU was, you know, down by two, and Hunter Dickinson's missing four consecutive free throws. Uh-huh. You could tell they were getting restless, and they're like, "This is Allen Fieldhouse. What are these new guys from from the WCC doing in our building, hanging around?" And uh, you could tell there was a little bit of frustration, but it was a it was a cool environment, 
and I think there was a there was pretty healthy respect. There was some back and forth between some of the the BYU fans and Kansas fans in in the area near the the media section. It was all friendly, but you know it was just fun, and I think it was the people that understood you know college basketball. The the Kansas media were pretty impressed with with BYU and their ability to shoot the three and you know, cause that's a different look than what Kansas provides on a nightly basis. You know, Kansas has that, that power inside being one of the best field goal percentage teams, but they, they don't shoot the three. And that was the difference as BYU gets that big win. I'm like really sad for you that you didn't get to come off of the uh, charter flight last night at two 30 with the Cougs. <laughs> like, I mean, that was, that's pretty cool to see all your fans roll up at two 30 in the morning at the, uh, at the Provo airport, and see all those fans out there. That's, that's, I mean, in terms of historic wins for BYU, where does this one land? I've seen a couple different rankings, but obviously it's the best one of the Mark Pope era. Uh, I'm going to ask you to go full historian there, and this is with the recency bias of you being there last night. But what's the uh, where does this rank uh, compared to Danny Ainge going down the court in the Elite Eight, or uh, or I, I don't know, maybe even the the Jimmer Fredette versus Kawhi Leonard, or, or where is it? Where is it on the list of best games ever for BYU? Well, I'd still put Danny Ainge's, you know, coast to coast drive over Notre Dame and Sweet 16 is number one. I'd probably put Jimmer in 2011 over San Diego State number two, just because in that moment, you know, BYU left that game and, and you said, that's the best team in college basketball. And then, then going it down to Montezuma Mesa in San Diego and winning their network television, like BYU was on top of the world. And so those wins in that season, probably two and three. And then I would put, you know, this Kansas win in, in that top five conversation uh, because, you know, you, you just hear the national narrative, too, in, in conversation around Kansas. Like, they just never lose in that building. And, you know, there was a conversation from some, some of the national media that were in attendance last night from, from ESPN asking about, you know, Kevin McCuller to Bill Self. And, you know, they've been without Kevin McCuller for, you know, four of the last five games. It's been nothing new. I think it just got kind of amplified because it went from a day-to-day status to now suddenly he's week to week and he might not return so it became a bigger storyline in this game but they thumped texas this past saturday mm-hmm. without kevin mcculler and nick timberlake was outstanding i just think the kansas maybe underestimated byu and and that's again that was always kind of one of the viewpoints i had about byu coming into the big 12 was that you know, being that, that new team, you know, because BYU's always operated in conferences where they've been one of the big brands and they've kind of absorbed a lot of oxygen in leagues where this is new territory, not only being in a power conference, but being just kind of a, a team where you, you're not the Super Bowl, you know, for an opponent. Like that was always the case in the Mountain West and the WAC. And uh, in the Big 12, you're just, you're just kind of like a non-conference vibe and you're, it's a filling out process. And I think Kansas players slept on BYU's abilities, especially after BYU had a, an abysmal performance the last two times on the road against Oklahoma State and K-State. And, you know, BYU capitalized. And, you know, I think that, you know, Mark Pope's vision that he's had for this program to be uh, kind of an outlier and, and, and be a team that just leans into shooting the three uh, worked off or, or paid off because, um, you know, in that matchup against a team that doesn't shoot the three, it worked masterfully. And it's a real narrative changer for BYU because now, uh, you know, they're, they're in the conversation nationally as one of the, you know, rising teams in college basketball. Uh, heading closer to March. A historic win, no doubt about it, for BYU in their program. But I mentioned in the first segment what this win proved to me, and I think to the entire country, is this BYU team is built to win in March. They can really make some noise and go on a deep run. If you can win at Fog Allen against that Kansas team, you can do some damage in March. 
So I want to dig into the anatomy of this win with you, Mitch. How did they do it, and how do they do that more consistently? Well, I think they were resilient, and I, I thought you got contributions from everyone. You know, and it's it's fascinating to look at that box score, and you see was it seven, eight guys attempting at least three three pointers. I mean, everyone kind of leaning into that identity that they've been pushing on the offensive end. But you know, there were valuable minutes from everyone. You know, Mark Pope talked about it in the radio post game, but you know, Trey Stewart coming in when Dallin Hall's dealing with the foul trouble. I thought he gave solid minutes. It wasn't, you know, massive, but they were, they were kind of a, an underrated piece to, to that win when, you know, Dallin Hall looked like, you know, four fouls with 17 minutes to go is when's he going to be able to return to the game and Stewart and Jackson Robinson as well at that backup point guard spot provided some good minutes for BYU. And I thought defensively BYU tightened up and limited Kansas for the most part to you know only one shot attempt there was that one position where KJ Adams got to put back and that was only his only bucket in the second half and the, the the ability to limit Adams too in the second half I thought was noteworthy I was stunned that Kansas didn't go to him more because uh, BYU had no answer for him in the first half it was a mismatch nightmare and the Kansas didn't exploit that more and, and credit to BYU for locking up defensively because uh, they have been plummeting in the defensive ratings the past two weeks. So I think those, uh, you know, that those aspects of the game, but then also uh, just the, uh, the courage and the, the confidence from Jackson Robinson, Noah Waterman and Dallin Hall to shoot those three pointers in those moments and knock them down. I think those what ultimately put BYU over the top. Mitch, the rest of the way, obviously you got three games left uh, for BYU's regular season. Uh, we were kind of trying to make a guess last week as to where they would end up. It was like, yeah, maybe they steal one against Kansas State, uh, but they end up uh, – uh, no, even before Baylor, wasn't it, J.J.? We were like, all right, you yeah. got Baylor still. You had Iowa State on the road. You got Kansas on the road. The only games that like looked like some some kind of relief were Oklahoma State and TCU and maybe that Kansas State game. But uh, obviously getting wins in weird places is what Mark Pope has kind of done this year. So the rest of the way – TCU Saturday, then you got Ames uh, next week, I think, and then you end things uh, welcoming uh, Oklahoma State back in. Where does this team go from the win this week? Because I get nervous about Saturday, even hosting TCU, and the the possibility of kind of having a little bit of a hangover from that that win last night. No question. I mean, it's definitely possible. And you know, TCU was riding high up until you know Monday night when they had their loss at home to Baylor. Uh, they were one of the hottest teams in the league, and you know they are more than capable. They've they've got ten seniors on their roster, uh, so TCU's got a, a lot of veteran players, and they could definitely go into BYU and win a ball game. So uh, I think they'll BYU defends home court and and gets it done, and and I think they finish two and one the rest of the way. I, you, you could argue that Hilton Coliseum at Iowa State might be tougher this year mm -hmm. because then fog Allen, because I think Iowa state's a better team than Kansas. And, but you know, BYU, you know, did beat them in, in Provo and they're actually a pretty good matchup against Iowa state because they're a team that really kind of takes away everything in the paint. Well, BYU doesn't operate in that world much. So they're, they're willing to, to jack up those three pointers as much as you want to give them. So, uh, you know, I think BYU, that, that's the great thing about BYU right now is they're not, a pushover in this league. They are competitive every single night. And to think that in their first year, they've got wins over Kansas, Baylor, and Iowa State, three of the top four teams in this league. And the, the one team that you didn't be in the top four, Houston, uh, you, you were 
tied up at 68 with a chance to go win it. And, and, you know, it was one of the great atmospheres that BYU's had in the Marriott Center this year. It's been an impressive first season in the Big 12. And last night really just kind of gave that stamp like you belong in this conference by, by getting that win. Mitch Harper, KSLSports.com. You can also, of course, hear him on KSL News Radio on Cougar Sports Saturday, him and Matt Biamonte, and also on uh, Cougar Nation, also on uh, Monday nights. And so, Mitch, it's been quite the long uh, last 48 hours for you, so we'll uh, let you get to it. And we appreciate it, man. And, uh, man, that's a lot of fun, and we appreciate you coming to the program. No problem. Boarding my flight, and then tomorrow, uh, back to basketball practice and spring football starts. So, Busy times ahead. It's going to be a fun week. No oh, days off. Such a tough <laughs> life as Mitch Harper. There you go. Mitch Harper, everybody. Oh, man. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think of what a better. Now, Mitch has got, Mitch goes to most of the away games for football. Yeah. And obviously this last season was no fun. <laughs> Not a lot of great road memories. Arkansas was actually pretty cool. That, oh, was, a, that, that was a that really was good come from behind you know, win. The yeah, Chase yeah. Roberts one handed catch in yes. the end zone and to come back. That 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 was the win that gave everyone a belief and a confidence that BYU's football team would exceed expectations. Remember at one point we were talking, Wow, this team could win eight games. And then reality set in in conference play. But they got off to the three and zero start and it's like, wow, this is and then you're watching Oklahoma State lose to what South Alabama or something yeah. like that? And Iowa State <laughs> lost to Miami of Ohio, or it was Ohio. Okay, and you're thinking, oh wow, this, but it didn't materialize. This has been the complete opposite, where you know th- this team just continues to get better throughout conference play, and we keep waiting for the wheels to come off, and they really haven't. There's been stumbles here and there. The Oklahoma State loss wasn't great. They could have played better at Kansas State. Um, who would have thought that they'd lose to Kansas State the way mm-hmm. they did? And then bounce back and beat Kansas at Fog Allen. Okay, let, right? me, let me throw out what the standings look like in the Big Twelve. Okay, if Houston, who's probably going to be one of the they're the cream of the crop. They're they're, they're projected national, one seed. They probably win the national championship this year. Wow. Iowa State is a top five team or top six team. They're ten and four in conference. So Houston's twelve and three in conference. Iowa State is twelve and or ten and four. Okay, after that, here's what it looks like: KU at nine and six. Baylor at nine and six, tied for third. BYU, TCU, Texas Tech, all tied for fourth in the conference at eight and seven. Oklahoma seven and seven. Texas is seven and eight. I think that because what do we look at in terms of projected? Hey, Jeremy, what's the how many how many teams right now are projected to get into the NCAA tournament from the Big Twelve? Is it nine? Was it is it nine? So the cutoff is probably. Texas, yeah, they'll the be on the bubble. Two out in bracket matrix are Cincy and Kansas State. So those two teams are on the bubble. So Texas would be would yep. still probably be in, right? Yes. Yeah, so they'd be the ninth team in. All right, nine teams in the conference, and BYU is like is fourth place of those nine teams are going to be nine getting teams in. two on outs on the outside looking in on the bubble, and BYU is tied for. For what fifth place? It's tight. Yeah, this is tied for fourth, but just because there are well, you, you count the other two, you know. Oh, right, right I get you. So no, Kansas no, no, Baylor no, for sure. tied for third, yeah, so it make them fifth place. That that makes sense. Tied for fifth, technically. If we want to get really technical about the standings here, fourth best record in the Big Twelve. Can I say that? Do it. There you go. Uh, all right, so there you go. Well, let's take a let's take a quick break. I'm just looking at it too. There are only there are five of those teams, by the way, with 20 wins on the season, and one of them is BYU. 
That's uh, wild. No one saw this coming. And credit Coach Pope and that program and the players on that team for proving all of us wrong. Okay. Let's hope it turns into some some kind of fun in uh, in March as well. We will come back around the corner before we do. Nominate your youth sports volunteer that you know to be the Hercules Hero of the Week. Submit your nomination at kslsports.com slash contest. You've heard us talking about this every Thursday. We read on our show the winner of the Hercules Hero of the Week, courtesy of Hercules Credit Union. You can get yourself a $50 gift card for that person that you nominate. Anybody in the youth sports realm, coaches, uh, team moms, that dad who is the assistant who's just been doing it forever, who's just an amazing influence on these kids, however it might be, nominate that youth sports volunteer for the Hercules Hero of the Week, kslsports.com slash contest. We honor them on the air, and they get a $50 gift card courtesy of Hercules Credit Union. Uh, all right, we'll take a break. Next is Would You Rather, uh, and then we'll get to the uh, 4 o'clock hour. We've got tons going on uh, around the corner. We're going to make Scotty G come on and uh, give us a, a play-by-play of his play-by-play. Okay? Is that okay? All right, we'll come like back. It. More to go around the corner, 97.5 DKSL Sports Zone. Accessing. When TV and radio collide. Love it. Wow. This is what you get. You're listening to JJ and Alex. Presented by G2G Bars. Don't touch that dial. On 97.5, BKSL Sports Zone. All right, everybody, welcome on back. It's another edition of JJ and Alex right here, 97.5, BKSL Sports Zone. Thanks for being with us. Uh, quite the last. 24 hours in uh, sports here in the state of Utah. Coming up at uh, 4.30, we're going to speak with uh, Scotty G, our own Scotty G. He was going to hang out a little bit longer. He's had to uh, go up to uh, has to go up to Logan. Got to do the coaches show tonight. Plus many other duties. Lots of recording of, uh, of interviews and whatnot. Uh, but of course, the win of the Aggies in overtime last night. The win for BYU and Mark Pope and his squad uh, what has already been a dream year for the Cougs has gotten even more dreamy uh, after last night's win over Kansas. Dave McCann, BYU TV, joining us here on the program, our former colleague uh, downstairs at KSL Five TV. Uh, Dave, you kind of saw this. Ha- you saw this coming, right? I mean, that's why you wrote about it. <laughs> Listen, I didn't predict it, <laughs> uh, so I won't take I won't take credit for it at all. We just I just wrote about the ingredients were there. Ah for for an upset and um and in the first half uh, as i watched the first half i thought man i'm clueless in the second half (laughs) the the all the things that we kind of laid out there as to what would need to happen for something like this to happen happened and uh we see it all over college basketball and we saw it in at allen Fieldhouse last night so you know with the ingredients were there but they still had to strike and they did to their credit and the the guys on that roster, you just salute them. Uh, we watched most of them struggle through the WCC last year. and These aren't those guys, although they're the same faces and names. and They've elevated their game. And, uh, you know, some nights have been rocks. Some nights have been diamonds. Last night was a diamond they'll remember for the rest of their life. They took those ingredients and uh, made the perfect recipe for one of the best wins in BYU basketball history. As you're looking back on the history, and there's been some good ones. Where does it rank among all-time BYU best wins? You know, it's a head-scratcher uh, because no one ever thought BYU would play Kansas in a league game, like ever. And so when that Big 12 came around and then the schedule came out, 
and a lot of folks were excited to see Kansas come to Provo just for the sake of, oh, my gosh, there's Kansas. Sherry Dew, number one on that list. Hey, there's Kansas. I can't believe they're here as a, <laughs> as a former high school star in the state of Kansas. But um, to go to Allen Fieldhouse and, and do that, uh, it, it's, it's just stunning. And, and Kansas didn't play well. They didn't make free throws. I thought Bill Self was, was great in his postgame, gave BYU all the credit in the world, and, and also they missed layups and free throws, which is how you get upset on your home floor. Um, but what uh, it's right up there with uh, with the big ones, you know, the Gonzaga one. We all remember that one where they had already printed their paper to be thirty and zero, and and to go into that arena and do that. Uh, but at, at a higher level of basketball in a league that's at a higher level, to go in there and sneak one from Kansas, um, yeah, they're, they're going to be talking about that one for a long, long time. But you know what? It's significant. But it only becomes more significant if they beat TCU on Saturday at home. Yeah. Because now they're marching toward a winning record in the Big 12 in that first year. And, and that's really where the story comes alive with a tournament seating and whatever else they have ahead of them. Well, and they had, I mean, what was it? that they, they have this, You have TCU on Saturday. Uh, you've got uh, Iowa State, of course, next week. And then you end things with Oklahoma State, who, you know, they lost to, in a, in a, you know, you talk about a bad loss in the season, which they haven't had many. Uh, that was their worst, and then they have Oklahoma State come to Provo. They've got some revenge on their mind, but yeah, the letdown that could happen with that TCU team coming in, and it's a pretty darn good TCU basketball team as well. I mean, there are all sorts of things that could go wrong, so uh, what is it? I'm going to go back a little bit what you said about the WCC, you know, these guys playing the WCC last year. Uh, they ended up in fifth place. They had a losing record in the conference. What did they learn and Mark Pope and his guys kind of as a group and as a coaching staff from last year and translated into one of the best seasons already that certainly Mark Pope has had and one of the more historic ones in BYU basketball history. Well, if you, if you look at the results and, and then backtrack, um, they changed their offense. They changed their defense. Um, they, the, the, the players on the roster bought in to their roles. Uh, they got older, experienced. Um, Dallin Hall as a point guard was at his best last night and he's a young point guard and last Saturday he was not at his best and there's the big difference between winning and losing in the same state on on the road Um, but uh, they added a couple of pieces but Ali Khalifa um, and and Trevor Nell are really the only two Uh, and so and and Foose played hurt for a month Um, it's to the credit of the guys on that roster and to the staff, but the staff had to be willing to make some changes with how they do things. And uh, maybe first on the list was, you know, we got a bunch of shooters. Let's shoot. I went 35 threes a game. I remember when Mark Pope told Blaine and I that in our first pregame interview, he goes, I want 35 threes tonight. And, um, and we hope to make 37% of them. If we do, you know, the analytics show we're going to be pretty good. And last night they made, but they attempted 34, and I think they shot 36%. And the analytics were good to to, to win on the road. So I I, I give them credit because they had to change. Uh, that that, that uh, devastating one-sided loss to Santa Clara at the Marriott Center toward the end of last season and another fifth-place finish, I think it had them all, you know, major changes were coming, no question. And uh, and to keep the major changes from happening, they had to make all those minor changes happen, and that started with their 
with their strategy and then the credit to the players for, you know, water, Noah Waterman decided I am going to be a rebounder. And, you know, he had some huge ones last night and um, Jackson Robinson decided, you know what? I will come off the bench. I'll still be a leading scorer on the team, but I'll come off the bench. Uh, so those two guys who struggled a lot last year, they come back, accept their roles and they fit into this group. I mean, those guys were transfer portal moves. Um, they, they fit into this group and you get a guy like Richie Saunders who goes, if I don't play like Superman, I'm not going to get on the floor. So he decides to play like Superman and some days he's great. Other games he might not be, but his effort is the same every night. And, uh, and he also has that look on his face that ticks off the opponent. So there's that element too, that seems to work uh, to get some of these teams uh, outside of themselves. But, but I think the, this is a, a, a situation where you look at the results and then you can go back and go, this is what they did. One, two, three, and four. Now, can they keep it going? That's on the guys on the roster. And they'll have a sold-out crowd Saturday night to help motivate them. But now 10-8 and eight is very possible. And that could get you a double bye in the conference tournament. And, uh, and it could get you up to five. Uh, as a five seed, maybe you get a lucky and get a play in Salt Lake City. So there's some things still out there that they can go, uh, that they can go earn. Fog Allen Fieldhouse is the most difficult place to play in the country to come away and get a win. Last night, BYU did it by playing connected and making their threes, and they showed the entire country that when they play like that, they can beat anybody. But when they don't shoot that well, Dave, they don't, they don't come up with the results they want, as we saw at Oklahoma State. How can this team be more consistent? And can this team win in March when they're not having their best shooting night? I think that's my biggest concern with them moving forward. I think and they're all legit. That's a legit concern. I think uh, I think Mark Pope has kind of said we just need to be who we are, and you just described who they are. On nights where they're hitting their threes, they can beat anybody. So you got to hit them and 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 stay hot, especially in a tournament. And on nights where they don't, um, it it goes south. And Saturday at Kansas State's a perfect example. Whereas Tuesday is a was a perfect example when they beat 11th-ranked Baylor. Um, and you can kind of look back and forth. When Dallin Hall is getting around 10 or 11 points and has six or seven assists and five rebounds, they usually win. When he doesn't, they usually struggle. And, um, you know, they've lost uh, seven, eight conference games, so there's plenty of case studies of hot nights and cold nights. And they might just be need a, a team, uh, Jeremiah, for them to win. They have to be hot doing what they do best. And when that's not working, they're vulnerable to get beat by anybody. And, um, and I think that they've tried to stay true to that. They've never tried to go, you know what, tonight we're an inside team. Now, there were some nights against Texas when they weren't hitting their outside shots so much, they pounded inside the foose, and the Longhorns had no answer for it. So they were able to adapt on the fly. But uh, in a tournament, it's going to be hard for teams to prepare for a team like BYU, just as Bill Self said last night. And if they're hitting their shots, they are tough to beat. That's how you have a magical finish. Um, and when that doesn't happen, then like you said, then it comes to an end. But I think they got to stay with who they are. they got to just go out and go, we're going to shoot. And we're going to play defense. And we're going to rebound. They didn't rebound, win a rebounding battle last night, but in the second half they got all the big rebounds. Uh, and that's a credit to – Waterman and Saunders and Foose and, and those guys who just put their life on the line to, to get the ball. But um, 
I don't, I don't think there's a plan B. Uh, I think it has to be plan A all the way for them to have a shot. Mm. Uh, might be getting ahead of myself a little bit with this one, but uh, Iowa State was picked to finish seventh in the league in the preseason, in the Big 12 preseason poll. T.J. Olzelberger, the uh, head coach of, uh, of Iowa State, has done a pretty darn good job. Uh, and he might be the, the odds-on favorite, but does – does he end up winning this thing? I mean, uh, does Pope end up pulling this one out and then, uh, and and uh, getting the Big Twelve Coach of the Year after the job that they've done? It seems like it was a little bit like last night. Seems like the kind of thing where people go, "Okay, it's hard not to at least have the conversation, uh, you know, back and forth about it." I think he's got to be in the mix. Uh, I think TJ's done a great job, and and I think they might be the best team in the league. I mean, Houston's number one in the country, but uh, Iowa State. I think Iowa State beat Houston, if I if I remember yeah, right. Ames, but if yes. they didn't, I think they played them close. Yeah, and Iowa State's going to be a tough matchup for BYU back there because they came out here and I think got beat by 15. So they're going to be all kind of bugged mm-hmm. to welcome the Cougars back in there on Tuesday night. Um, so Iowa State, they're up there playing uh, at the top, and and that that seems to be where those awards go. But but you got to give Mark Pope and his staff uh, their team that was picked 13th. Uh, not seventh. The seventh team might take first or second. The thirteenth team might take what fifth or sixth. Uh, maybe you'd even have to go a co-coach of the year if it became those two guys. Uh, and then they also always remind reward the head coach who's won most of the games. That would be Houston yeah. and Ralph or uh, Kevin Sampson. I think yeah. he's got a, a a major case. It might be the the front runner, but. Uh, to Mark Pope and his staff's credit, and, and, and certainly to the guys on the roster, um, they've turned in many of conversations on this particular radio show that were not in the plans when the schedule <laughs> no. came out. <laughs> I mean, back I, in I, October, looking back on, I can't believe we're having this conversation right now. But the Cougars have earned <laughs> it; it's awesome, and let's hope they can keep it we up. Sort of sheepishly went into it, like just going, "Oh, let's get this basketball season should be kind of fun, huh?" And then, like, sort of moved past this. Well, it kind of shows you when you Remember, have lo- when you have low expectations, this, this everything can be <laughs> a lot of fun, can it? <laughs> the fun was going to be, "Hey, look at the schedule. Look who we get to see play." Right, and then it shifted to. Uh, look who we might be able to beat. And then, then, then that changed everything for the fans. But when the schedule came out, it was like, well, we might get a hand it to them, but look who we got. Iowa State's coming in. Cincinnati's coming in. Texas is coming in. Houston's coming. And then all of a sudden, uh, once BYU really rolled into the first of the year with a net, remember they were number one in the net for a few days, I think, before the Utah loss. But um, that changed things. And then all of a sudden it was, hey, it is Texas. It is in Provo, and what? BYU is an eight-point favorite. And that the world changed with, uh, with how they performed. It's been a magical run, and it's going to be fun to watch it continue. And I think that BYU fans would love to have this same experience on the football side of things, Dave. And the work to make that happen begins here uh, this week as spring football begins tomorrow for the Cougars. Uh, with what time we have left with you, can you dig into what you want to see and what, what you hope the Cougars can accomplish in spring football here for the over the next month? You know, we asked Connor Pay that question on Wise Guys the other night, and he said, he goes, you know, you want to see all these things, but what the coaches want to see is everybody. Uh, and then you get into that fall camp and you start nailing down a roster. But without question, you got Gary Bohannon and Jake Redfleff at quarterback. I'm curious to see how Bohannon is picked up and got re-familiarized with an offense he already knew from Jeff Grimes at Baylor. 
uh, and and where his leadership sets in with this new group on, in such a short time. We saw it with Keaton Slovis a little bit, but Slovis had to learn the offense from scratch, and Bohannon has been running the offense. So what the dynamic does that do and the, the chemistry he has with his receivers? Is it a legit quarterback, quarterback battle between those two uh, and a couple of the young guys, or will one emerge? Uh, I, that's that that's it's BYU it's quarterbacks it's a quarterback battle this is that such spring and and so that's that's what I'll circle and I think that's what everyone's excited about you got to have a quarterback to win games and it's important to have a line and the defensive line and they've addressed a lot of those areas and a lot of those guys will see on the field but um you know until the fall when they start to separate hey that freshman suddenly the starting safety wow that becomes a thing so it's all about the two quarterbacks um and, uh, and and as Connor said, he'll be the guy right in the middle of it as the center. He said he's looking forward to seeing him duke it out. And I think that's the storyline uh, going into tomorrow. Dave McCann, BYU TV. Uh, you can see him, of course, uh, he and Blaine Fowler, Blaine Fowler with the Wise Guys podcast. And Hey, uh, speaking of Blaine, can I pitch something real quick? Absolutely. Yeah. Tonight, uh, Lauren Gustin plays her final home game uh, against Houston, the all-time leading rebounder in school history, um, Blaine and I are on the call. It's, it's a big night. Blaine and I are on the call on ESPN Plus at 7. But but Lauren Gustin is a Utah product that has been phenomenal. And she was the leader, a rebound leader in the WCC. And let's be honest, everyone thought, well, that's because she's in the WCC. Like she went to the Big 12, and she still leads the country in rebounding. And in, with 27 double-doubles, um, she's she's worth the price of admission and tonight's the last chance at the Marriott Center. We're excited to be on that call. But we were talking about big moments and big players and a big week for BYU. Lauren Gustin's last blast is tonight, and uh, I think that'll be a special night at the Marriott Center. Uh, we're really looking forward to it. Uh, Blaine Fowler and uh, Dave McCann with the call tonight on that one as well. Uh, when BYU is facing off, when fifth seeded BYU is facing off against the twelfth seeded Gonzaga Bulldogs in the NCAA tournament in the first round, uh, we're really looking forward to that one. You know that something like that's going to happen, Dave. Come on, it has to. It has to. <laughs> um, or maybe BYU and Utah State finally get a meet, oh, which fun. they should have done back in December. Um, and speaking of the Cougs and Zags. It's baseball season, as you know, and Gary Scheide and I will have Thursday, Friday, and Saturday's games all in the afternoons on ESPN Plus starting tomorrow. So, hey, this is a this is a huge week for the end of February and the start of March, but I think Cougar Nation's probably pretty happy with how things are going. Yeah, good vibes down in Provo. There you go. Dave McCann. Dave, we appreciate it. You can read his byline, of course, uh, Deseret.com, and see him on BYU TV. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, guys. Anytime. Have a great day. There you go. Dave McCann, everybody. Man, lots of history. All, uh, lots of uh, lots of the guys covering BYU down in Provo, man. Those BYU TV guys with uh, a lot going on. Lots of smiles on the faces That's of, good. Uh, of those programs, man. It's good. It's good stuff. Football, right. Making up for football season. Boom. And maybe, maybe, and maybe like already starting to, to uh, get you ready for next football season, too. Yeah. Like, I think so. You got to live off of everything that's going on right yeah. here during this yeah. basketball season. Hey, enjoy this blast of <laughs> it's gotta take amazingness. You, it's got to actually take you through two football seasons, last season and this next one. We'll Maybe. see. We'll see. Cook could surprise some people this fall. All right, we'll uh, take the break. We'll come back. Scotty G, we're going to give him a call, and uh, he's going to give us a little bit of an idea 
of what Utah State went through last night, you're going to have games like that. They're ugly, but can you win the ugly ones uh, against teams you're supposed to beat? As the uh, magical run for the Aggies continues as well, stay right here. 97.5 DKSL Sports Zone. Wow. Presented by G2G Bars. This is 97.5 the KSL Sports Zone. Forty seconds left to go. Brown near the elbow. Takes the three. Right wing. Yes. There you go. Darius Brown. Oh, yes. A huge three by Darius Brown. The veteran delivers again. I told you to cut that last part off. Come on. No, he didn't. That's just like that. All that is is the uh, the mark of a guy who's working his freaking tail off, or in his case, his vocal cords off. Scotty G. Of course, Hanson Scotty every day, noon to three, and he's on the call of basketball and football in the Aggie world. And, if, uh, of course, he's up in Logan right now getting ready for another coach's show. Scotty G., what's up, man? You don't like the Peter Brady voice? Come on. <laughs> <You know? laughs> when it's time to change. <laughs> oh, come on. You know. We've all been there. Sometimes, sometimes puberty hits a little later for others <laughs> than, uh, than some. And, uh, I've, I've hit that special time in a young man's life yeah. where uh, you know, it starts to crack a little bit. Scott uh, Gerard, late developer. No, uh, and you know, pretty soon you're going to start seeing ladies a little differently. All right, and uh, yeah, just everything's going to change for you. So we're very excited about it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what's. Yeah. I, I don't know what's more crazy for you. Like, I mean, obviously, you do so much. You have to travel around, and, and a lot of it is. Uh, it, it just is a whirlwind, right? And it's, it's just so much going on. But uh, do you, can you take time during a season like this and go, "This is insane"? And even nights like last night, where they're not easy wins against teams that are supposed to be easy wins, those are even just as big a games in seasons like this. I feel like. Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt. And you know what's interesting about this season, too, with this squad, is that, first off, nobody saw it coming. And I know there's a lot of people like, oh, I knew they'd be better than ninth in the Mountain West Conference. You're like, no, you didn't. Stop it. No, you didn't. <laughs> no, nobody, nobody saw this coming. Uh, a ragtag bunch of guys that brought together by a coaching staff who had inherited nobody on that roster – and they put it together. They're coaching their butts off. These guys are playing their butts off. But even Danny Sprinkle said it on the postgame show. They didn't deserve to win that game last night. They, they had no business winning that game. They were flat. They were making horrible mistakes. They couldn't make free throws. They were turning the ball over. But yet they found ways to win, to win it. And you go back to that UNLV game where they had the infamous five-point play to win that game. Or the Boise State game on the road where they found a way to win late in the game to send it, you know, a shot to send that into overtime. And then last night, it's just, you know, sometimes you have those weird seasons where things just kind of go your way. And I don't know how this thing's going to end. I don't know what's going to happen the final three games of the season or in the Mountain West Conference, but there's no doubt this thing's been a hell of a ride. And it's been fun to be a small, small part of it and be able to witness some of these games up close and in person. I don't mean to jinx anything, Scotty, but I believe this is the Utah State team that's going to win a first-round tournament game in the NCAA tournament for the first time since 2001. Here's why. 8-0 in games decided by five points or less. 
whenever things go crazy, whenever they go haywire, this team, for whatever reason, has the composure and the ability to come together when it matters and find a way late in games to make it happen. That is a key thing when you get to March to win those close games. And this team knows how to do it. How are they doing that? How are they 8-0 in games decided by five points or less? Well, that's a, you know, it's a great point, too. And I think a lot of it comes back to Darius Brown, the point guard, because the guy's been around forever. I mean, he's had red shirt, uh, medical red shirts, and he's had, um, you know, he's had his COVID year. The dude's four years older than Keontae George. I mean, the guy's 24 years old. And so there's not a lot he hasn't seen. There's not a lot he hasn't been a part of. You got Now, I know this team was patched together, but overall, experience-wise, they actually do have a lot of experience. And so they've had guys that have been around and played a lot of games. Now, granted, Big Sky may be a little bit different than Mountain West, but They've seen it, and they've been through it. And so nothing really seems to phase them. They've got good chemistry. Uh, they, they don't, you know, when things aren't going well. And last night was probably about as bad as it's gone in terms of, like, if they were playing Nevada or if they were playing uh, a really good team last night, they'd lose that game by 20. That's just how, how bad they were playing last night. Fresno is not a good team at all. And yet uh, Utah State played probably one of their worst games of the season and rallied and found a way to win that game. And yet, you know, when things aren't going well, they're not barking at each other. They like each other generally. They've got some experience. They say, okay, well, fine, let's find a way to get this thing done. And there's, you know, that, that shot that sent the game into overtime. Great Osibor was on the show with us earlier and talked about how he knew that Fresno State was eventually going to try to foul when they didn't foul immediately when they're up three. And the cardinal rule is you always foul up three. And when he realized that they weren't up three, he's like, oh, well, they're eventually are going to try to foul. So he steps away, sets a high screen on his own to give Darius Brown a little bit more space so he can hoist that three. That's just the kind of weird stuff that these guys have high basketball IQ. They play off each other really well. They're super smart, and they find ways to make plays in those key moments. And that's just the mark of a really good team. And, J.J., I hope you're right because that's on my bucket list, man. You thought my voice was cracking right there. <laughs> I, can't imagine how, I can't imagine how bad that's going to sound if they win a first round of the NCAA tournament because, selfishly, that's on my bucket list. I just want to call one win in the NCAA tournament. Oh, come on. you got to go higher hopes than that because we're over here uh, trying to – we're trying to we're trying to conjure up all sorts of things with the basketball Ouija board to get BYU and Utah State facing off against one another here in Salt Lake in a second rounder. Oh man, I brought that up with Mark Durant earlier today, <laughs> and Mark's like, oh, man, "That would be crazy. You imagine a game in Salt Lake, a you know, uh, uh, what a eight seed or no, like a seven seed Utah State against a four or five seed BYU. How cool would wow. that be?" Man, in that place would be nuts. And uh, and I think it'd be really fun because you got two varying styles of basketball. You got Utah State, who's, you know, old school, great Osborne, back to the basket, you know, uh, really physical style of basketball. And then you got BYU playing the five out, everybody shooting threes. Such a different, a different style of basketball. 
that would be so much fun to watch those two teams go at it on a stage like that. It might break the entire state, though. I know. <laughs> I can't imagine having oh, yeah. two in-state teams playing in the NCAA tournament. I know. Especially if it happened in Salt no, Lake City. No, I was going to say, don't have it be in, in uh, Dayton, please. Like, Don't have it be in like, uh, you know, Lafayette or well, something like that. After please. last night, that's not going to happen. No. It's not going to be Dayton, I promise you that. <laughs> no, I'm sure. No, I mean, it, you couldn't write a script better than that. And make no mistake, now look, I don't think it's going to happen, but... The NCAA selection committee, they say they don't play into storylines. They play into storylines. They do. They 100% do. And they're like, hey, you know what would be fun? Hey, let's put these two teams together. If they win the first round, they could be playing against each other. And, uh, yeah, I, dude, I would pay good money. We as a station, Nate Dowdle would pay good money as a station to be able to put something like that together. You imagine that game on the mothership for on the BYU perspective and on our station from Utah State. Oh my, my goodness! Wow! wow. No. it would be uh, look just uh, just consolidate it and just have uh, you and Greg both calling it on the same headsets on the same Comrex. It's it'll be fine. There we go. Now we're talking. See, but at the very least, but you know Greg would be game for, like, tons of pregame stuff, like all sorts of running in the week up to or the day before. All that stuff would be phenomenal for us. And, and of course, we've had great games here in Salt Lake City in the history of the NCAA tournament. But, man, nothing like that. And, uh, obviously, this type of a year is insane. So, the rest of the way for the Utah State Aggies, uh, how do they wrap this thing up? How do they – keep a hold uh, and hold off the rest of the teams who are trying to run them down for that regular season title. Well, here's the thing that's really crazy. When you look at the standings of the Mountain West, you have seven teams all within about one, one and a half games of each other. So Utah State can go from the one seed to the five seed really quickly. Now their schedule is the most favorable of everybody left. Uh, now, that's on paper because, you know, frankly, they should have beat Fresno State by 20 last night, and they needed a miracle to win. So nobody's out of the woods yet. But on paper, they've got Air Force, which you'd say was, should be an easy win, but they went to the pit and beat New Mexico for only their second win in Mountain West play. But they have Air Force on, uh, on Friday. Then they go to San Jose, which, again, on paper should be a win, and then they wrap up the season at home against New Mexico. If they beat San Jose and if they beat Air Force, uh, I do. Then, then they'll probably odds are they'll at worst share a uh, uh, a championship, a regular season title, uh, even if they lose to New Mexico. Uh, but that, look, they control their own destiny. Destiny. They want to finish that thing out. It would be the first year ever they would win an outright regular season title. They've shared it before, but that's something that Danny Sprinkle would love to bring to Utah State is an outright conference championship, and it certainly is well within the realm of possibility of this team getting it done. Because after last night, I think that scared the bejeebers out of them. I think they're going to play much better Friday against Air Force. I don't want to get too far ahead. Obviously, the Aggies have some work to do, but I am looking forward to the Mountain West Conference Tournament, Scotty. One of the best conference tournaments in the country. It's going to be wild in Vegas. They, they, it looks like the league's going to get six bids at this point unless something crazy happens. And UNLV's lurking there at 10-5 and five in conference. They're going to be playing the tournament on their home floor. They could really wreck uh, some brackets. What do, you, what do you think about the Mountain West tournament coming up, and how crazy would it be if UNLV's the team that wins it? Oh, and, and they certainly could. Look, I mean, you go down the list. Nevada could win it. New Mexico could win it. Colorado State could win it. Utah State could win it. Boise State could win it. San Diego State could win it. Uh, I mean, any of those teams 
have equal odds of winning this thing. That tournament is going to be nuts, and unlike anything we've seen, uh, I don't think they'll get six in, I, but they're they're getting five in. I think somebody's going to be on the outside looking in. It just seems like that's a bridge too far to cross to get to six from the Mountain West, but they're all certainly qualified, and any of those teams could easily win this tournament. It's just amazing to me. You look at Colorado State. They lose on a half-court buzzer beater to Nevada last night. Colorado State, a week and a half ago, was ranked in the top 25. They're prob- there's a good chance they could be playing in the first round and not even get that first round by. Uh, so they go from being a top 25 nationally ranked team to playing on Wednesday to start the conference tournament. That's how crazy it is. Your first yeah. five teams get that first round by, and then everybody else has to play on Wednesday. And and you've got two teams that could win the tournament that are going to be starting on Wednesday. I mean, that's it's obscene how weird and how crazy this conference is right now. Scotty G is going to have, of course, uh, a sit-down with uh, Danny Sprinkle tonight. A little uh, coach's show action, uh, different day than usual, but, uh, man – this has been this has been quite the ride, and I'm sure Coach uh, I'm I'm sure Coach Sprinkles ha- had a heck of a time too, and uh, just keeping this magic run going, it's going to be a lot of fun. So we'll be listening tonight. Thanks, Scotty. We appreciate it, man. I uh, appreciate it. Thanks, guys. There you yep. go, Scotty G. Everybody. You know what? I was telling Miss though, because it did. I was like, How did, this guy's not going to have a voice tomorrow, and then. I don't know how it is. These radio guys, they got to deal with the devil. Like, come back the next day, he's fine. Boom. Got it. That's a veteran right there. Yeah. He's good at what he does. Years and years. All right. uh, Appreciate Scotty G taking some time out. He's got maybe the busiest schedule of uh, anybody in the state. Greg Rubel included. All right. Mitch Harper included in terms of travel. All right. And doing the coaches show and going back and forth, doing all the stuff. So, it's uh, a lot of fun. Nice of him to join us. We'll take a break here. We'll come back. I don't even like talking about that stuff because when it doesn't happen, when BYU and Utah State don't play each other in the second <laughs> round of the NCAA you're, you're, tournament. You're, it's going to ruin your season if BYU and Utah State uh, don't play in the NCAA tournament? I'm going to be mad about it now. I'm going to be thinking about it all night and trying Outrage. to map it out. Trying to map it out. Like, let's get BYU as like a – because what would it need to be? They'd have to be a 4-5 seed to play each other in the second round. Cause not ne- that far neither, off. Neither of them are going to be a one, two, three. No, 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 no. No, what you need, and maybe it's the other direction, right? Where it's like, uh, let's say Utah State ends up being a, a, a you know, a, 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 a nine seed, which would be really, really low. They'd f- I'd fall down a couple of seed lines. BYU would have to be a what, like a, an eight seed, then, right? To end up being able to play right. them again. Yes. Yeah. I don't think either of those things are going to happen. Exactly. But I also don't think a 4-5 seed is going to happen either. Or how about a, a uh, the a Aggies are an 8 seed, BYU is a 5 seed. They upset a number one. Oh, there you go. BYU wins their 4-5. And then so we've got a sweet each 16 other. They're playing up. each other for a chance to go to the Elite Eight? Wow. See, now, now we're getting kooky. See, now I'm going to start thinking about that too much tonight. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. We've got more to go around the corner. When we return, just uh, tons to jump into here. We will have a little bit of a – we have an update, Major League Baseball updates, how the state legislature has found its way onto our program. I told you I wasn't going to do this. I got out of news and I got out of uh, regular law stuff years ago. And then here we are. It's on the bill because it's talking Major League Baseball. Let's get into it next. 97.5 VKSL Sports Zone. And now, a look at traffic from the KSL Traffic Center. 
It has been a little bit rough out there on the rush hour as we get full-on delays in the valley on southbound I-15 from Murray. Accessing. When TV and radio collide. Love it. This is what you get. You're listening to JJ and Alex. Presented by G2G Bars. Don't touch that guy! On 97.5, BKSL Sports Zone. Welcome back. Were you playing the drums? Were you, were you just doing air drums? You today? can't listen to Master of Puppets <laughs> without either playing air drums or, or air, guitar. air guitar. Those bam, are the bam, rules. Bam. See, and I was doing the guitar, and then I looked over, and I see you hitting the hi- you hitting the hey, hi-hat. Look at this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a little bass, actually. You know what I'm doing right now? Slapping the bass. <laughs> That's right. Slapping the bass. Slapping the bass. Yo. Welcome back, JJ and Alex. I was literally doing that. We appreciate uh, Scotty G carving out some time. Uh, so you had to wait till the voice came in there. See, that's a tough song to hit the post on because it's a long intro, but it's worth it. Oh. All right, so Major League Baseball. I love when the Utah legislature gets involved in sports. <laughs> One, it's fun to hear them talk about it up on the hill. What's funny is, is we have a governor now who like knows what he's talking about. And there's about an eighth of the legislature who's up to date on things that are going on, but instead it's usually stuff like, "Hey, we want to bring the we want to make the Olympics fantastic again here in the state of Utah." Wow! And I heard that there could be a major baseball team coming, and you're like, "Major League Baseball?" Like I said, a major team. <laughs> and you're like, "All right, <laughs> I can't do this." We're excited to bring major baseball to Utah. All right, so. The update is, uh, look, listen, you can come at me, Utah legislature, but you guys know this is not your wheelhouse, right? Now, carving out tax dollars, that's also, that's one of you, that is something you're good at. And a the hotel tax has been removed. The, uh, has been removed from the initial bill that was going to fund the Fair Park District and all of the things that are going along with this, we're trying to we're trying to make it easy for us, right? And it's just getting a little bit harder because you have to be able to go back to your constituency and explain some things, right? And the reality is, is it's not it's not easy. Part of the issue is is that the economists economists have done studies on this, and they'll straight up tell you funding public major league baseball parks, uh, hockey rinks for an NHL team. NFL stadiums, they almost never are that beneficial long-term economically. But that does not – we still need to give that thing a shot here, though. And I would say that that it's dead wrong, that I think that absolutely would make a huge difference here. So I'm all for it. I pay property taxes here in Salt Lake City. I pay uh, all sorts of – in terms of having a dog in the fight, I am a – Taxpayer in Salt Lake City. And I want this stadium. I want it. All right. 
I want I want everything to happen. I want the rendering of Ryan Smith's tweet that he sent out. I want the Miller family rendering out here in uh, in the power district. I want all of it to come true. So what does that need to happen? We need to realize that we have folks here who are willing to spend billions of dollars to invest in our community here. Uh, I don't know how much of a problem that uh, Salt Lake City downtown is experiencing compared to what we like. I don't know how bad it really is. Like. It was much worse 15 years ago. You and I both know. Yes. It's a lot better now. It's taken a little bit of a turn back to where it was, to but, be quite honest. But let's, let's make it better. Let's make it better. I'm let's, all about but, it. And and why not bring MLB, bring NHL, and really revitalize downtown and the Power District, North Temple, that whole area? So, okay, please, please. The benefits of that to society here are immeasurable. I know you're going to look at... I understand the numbers. I know the data. You, the economic uh, benefits aren't there. But what about the how, – how, how am I going to put this? The self-esteem of our community. <laughs> think about that. I think the I – think When the, you add a Major League Baseball and an NHL hockey team, you are a big league town. You are a big deal. It shows how much we've grown and how much we've progressed. And my hope is it can revitalize a yeah. part of this community that needs it. It brings pride – to a part of the community that needs it. It's a hard thing because you're talking about investment in the capital city where a lot of your legislatures don't. Exactly. Your your legislators do not. And I think there's a lot more political push and influence on the southern part of Salt Lake County than there is in downtown right now. Now, here's the thing. Agree? So you explained to me. You explained to me. Because it went from, hey, we're going to build a stadium over here. Suddenly it went to, hey, we're. We're going to revitalize downtown. Ryan Smith changes tune very, very quickly. I have, an, I have a, you I have have a theory. theory on that. All right. Keep it to yourself for a moment. Okay. But let me ask you this. Where are we at here? What stadium is being built for what? Is there going to be a multi-use basketball and NHL stadium? Or is it, are we talking about – because it used to be there was going to be two. Then there was going to be an NHL purpose-built – NHL building only, a barn, right? That was going to be the only – and then there was going to be an NBA stadium that would be – uh, that would also be part of this. Now we're talking about one that will be for both, right? Yes. Okay. Just I'm just Con- clearing it up. I saw the renderings and it reminded me of the building. I don't know who sponsors it now in Dallas. Oh yeah, the old it American felt Airlines. Very arena, similar to that area that we went and visited in the playoffs two years ago, yeah. and I experienced a lot of restaurants and areas there downtown. It's a nice little there development. There used to be nothing there. Right. There used to be nothing there. Right. And now it's something. It was just like, I, I remember as a kid going there, and it was just the hotel across the street that used to house the NBA players who were in town. They'd walk across the street. That's when you'd try to shake down Sean Kemp for a uh, for an autograph. That walk between the hotel and Sean the- Sean uh, Kemp. <laughs> or Detlef Shrimp. Take your pick of Supersonics, all right, from my childhood. Did you accidentally ask one of his kids to sign it? <laughs> Sadly, they none of them were in tow. Okay. Shocking. <laughs> I don't know why, but they weren't with him on that uh, on that road trip. Hmm. <laughs> Stop. All right, we're going to take a break. You we'll brought up back. Sean Kemp, I, not said, me. I know. The Rain he, Man. The jokes write themselves. All right. We'll come back. We've got more to go around the corner. Let's talk jazz next. We will uh, We will get you ready for this, uh, this game tomorrow to help us forget what happened in Atlanta last night. Uh, more to go around the corner. Stay with us. 97.5 DKSL Sports Zone. You know what's coming. 
daily deep dive into everything Utah Jazz. It's time! All season long and even in the offseason, it's Jazz Daily with JJ and Alex on your exclusive home of Utah Jazz basketball. 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. We're not just sloppy with the ball, but we're sloppy with our execution, and it it leads to turnover. You know, we had a couple early in the game. I, mean, I think the ball hit Collins' foot like twice in the first three minutes, coming from one of our players, like a handoff that we get the ball batted out of our hands and goes off his foot. Like we're just being we're sloppy with our execution, which leads to us being sloppy with the ball. All right, round ball rock with the lyrics means, of course, we're talking jazz. The way nature intended it to be. <laughs> Is this how it was? Like when – I. by the way, we need to start writing lyrics to – I'm going to charge myself with that, all right? I'm going to come up with lyrics for all of the major – Do you like the Monday sports. Night Football theme song and write a song oh, with lyrics? Oh, yeah, dude. I think we found our first uh, – some of that. I think you've got experience. <laughs> I like it. You're hired. I will. I will absolutely. Look, I only have seven kids, so I've got plenty of time. <laughs> It'll be great. I, there will be a moment, though, where my wife goes, I'll have my laptop, and I'll be sitting in our bed, and she'll go, what do you got going on? The explanation I'll have to give her. I'm just working on some lyrics of some uh, sports theme songs. And then, <laughs> this is not count as a sports theme song. Rockin' Royal, Rockin' Navy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Cody yeah. Epps' single. Did you have to buy this, by the way, for us to be able to play it? I was going to say. You didn't pay 99 cents on iTunes? If you had to charge the P card to this, we're... Somebody had a, a sample on Twitter, so. Uh, Fair weird. use. That's, I love how you're all... Jeremy's all... Jeremy doing the company thing. I pulled 38 seconds, which is the free amount that I was given online. 42 is, too much. This is, so, this, is, this is not great. How come your rise and shout sounds like Leon Redbone? <laughs> I'm trying to channel. Sounds like you're singing the uh, theme song okay. to Mr. Belvedere. Three sounds down on ever met before. Okay. See? I'm trying to challenge that. I'm trying to channel there. Look, as a BYU alum, I can attest to the fact that there really is. The BYU faithful get made fun of for tunnel singing, right? It actually happens, though. And I will tell you, like I said, there's not a crowd in the United States. If there is, I haven't found it yet. You and I have been to many games across this fine land of ours. Lavelle Edwards Stadium and the Marriott Center are the only places where people will have a four-part harmony to the Star Spangled Banner. Am I wrong? (laughs) You're not wrong. And so that is me channeling the guy from American Fork who shows up and goes, <laughs> You're supposed to If you catch me on a good day, I'll probably harmonize, I'll probably harmonize to that on a on a bad day. Or you know a what, good day. Whichever you, one you want. You know what Leon Redbone's real name is? <laughs> uh, it's like Craig Jones. <laughs> what is it? No. <laughs> what is it? It's Dick Rand Gabalian. <laughs> You can't say that on the radio. This is a family it's program. It's his name. Hold on. What was it? Dick Rangabalian. Yeah. <laughs> you can't say that. Oh, I, I did not did. remember this. 
Is he still with us? No, he's not. <laughs> he can't be. He'd be a hundred. He passed away in 2019 oh. at the age of 69. Oh, well, I would have thought he was 104. All right, moving right on. Let's hit the. Uh, let's hit the. Let's get to the cut. It's time for the biggest story of the day. This is what made the cut with JJ and Alex on 97.5 the KSL Sports Zone. Uh. I'm going to turn the AC on in here. That's getting a little hot for you, JJ. <laughs> uh, hey, call up services and see if we can get the AC turned on because that's how it works nowadays. I'm going to be calling sick for work. <laughs> email somebody about turning the temperature down in here. All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh. I hate doing talk radio sometimes because uh, – you got to work next to guys like JJ who don't make it very easy sometimes. <sighs> Sorry. See, there's going to be part. I'm going to get home. It'll be the one time my kids will go, what were you guys talking about at 515? Talking go. about Leon Redbone. <laughs> get out of here. Uh, Rise and shout the cougars around. Yours is better. Got it. <laughs> got it. <clears throat> All right. Hey, after that game last night, we should be singing that song. I know. I did a rendition of uh, the Utah fight song that's no longer allowed to be played on the station, all right? Did they outlaw that? No, but I just know that I would get in trouble. You think so? That's That was that was a 2015 song, if I've ever heard one. I'd be in trouble now, probably. Uh, let me see here. I got us into the cut because I made sure that I just wanted to make sure we could get through that last part there. But <sighs> the Jazz last night. It was uh, it was something. They were favored in that game in Atlanta. Right? It was a rare they road. Were? Why? Yeah. Why? Because the Hawks aren't very good. Number one, Trey Young. Did he get? Did he end up getting his? Uh, did he end up getting hand surgery? He's out. He's out. Right. He was out. He did not play. He's out for a month. So I think that on paper, that looked like one that the Jazz could steal away from Atlanta. Uh, but watch out because the Jazz uh, wanted to prove everybody wrong, right? <laughs> so, Will Hardy, I mean, you heard it a little bit earlier, but here's what Will Hardy said about, I, I just love, I love what Coach Hardy says and calls out the people that need to be called out because it wasn't like one person. And that actually makes it easier because then you just take the whole group. And in this case, it was the entire group of starters that had problems yesterday. Have to do a much better job, everybody in the locker room, of our approach coming into these games. Like the game is not gonna just reveal itself to us. It's not gonna just happen. And I think I don't think this has been something that our team has done a lot, but I felt tonight we just sort of drifted into the game and the turnovers at a certain point we've got to take some individual accountability to just being really sloppy with the ball. I love that description. Because I do think that there are, when you're a pro's pro, when a group just understands, and obviously you have nights that are off sometimes, but those are so those nights are so fewer and further between when you are really good, right? When you're a pro, when you are, you know, when you're that 96-97 Bulls team, not to bring up, uh, you know, bad feelings, right? When you are the 2017 Golden State Warriors – you just do not – you don't just – as he put it, I, I love the description of it. That's drifting into the game. Like showing up and going, uh, let's get going here. 
Like, what did you practice? What have you talked about as a team? And it just felt like, and it wasn't just, it wasn't like, oh, we didn't have a lot of energy on the bench. The second unit came in and, boy, you saw their plus minus. It was terrible. It was like, no, the starters were not good. And what did he say? Did he call them that group of five people? Yeah, that group <laughs> of five like, people. He made it sound like they're anonymous, like strangers on the street. And uh, that group of uh, five people over there didn't know how to play an NBA basketball hey, coach, what are their names? Can you tell uh, us their names? Is got, that where we're at right now after the trade deadline? Got that one guy. Yeah, and you know, and, and here's the thing is like that's the disappointment that he had. He's like, I'm not going to say one guy. It was all of you. And I, and I require people to show up and be playing harder. And, you know, a guy like – a, a guy like because uh, I think we heard from earlier in the show, didn't we hear from uh, Colin Sexton? It was like, oh, it was bad. And then you have Keontae George who said this about the team needing to be more focused. That's the part of drifting into a game and not right. Easy answer. We got to start fast. We got to um, have intention. Think about the game before we get to the arena. We got to be locked in the whole day. I think it, I think that's where it starts. I think it starts to shoot around. We have a good shoot around. Things, good things will carry over. So I think um, we just got to continue to, you know, buy into what we want to do offensively and defensively. Um, you know, because I think what we're doing is is, is great. So um, we just got to continue to figure it out. And you know, when we when we see good things happen, we got to make sure they carry over to the next game. Apologies to everybody in their car who had to adjust their base momentarily. <laughs> got the subwoofer <laughs> blowing out. Uh. Yeah, it was it was definitely it was definitely just one of those games when you look back now and I think that you're just going to get I don't know. You've you've convinced me JJ like hey, there are going to be these losses along the way and you're going to see a lot more of them. And this is going to be a bad team kind of throughout the rest of the year as they try to figure things out. Because you can't be a great team when not just disrupting chemistry, but also you go we're trying to do something here. We're trying to develop these guys. It takes a lot longer than just a couple moments here and there. And when your starters are the ones you're having a hard time with, then you're darn sure that the bench is not going to be ready for a game like that either. I'll say Colin Sexton was great. He was he was back home. He's from Marietta, Georgia, just outside of Atlanta. He was really good last night, 22 points, six steals. Like That's he a was guy who playing. shows up. That's like, he, that was a, he played like he was a dog last night. That's that in the Will most Hardy way I can say. Yes, that's the Will Hardy like uh, we require guys to show up and play at a different level. He was doing it. You're right, but overall the team was terrible. The turnovers seven, ten, twelve turnovers among the starting five, as Will Hardy's alluding to. Uh, they're just not playing good basketball as a team right now. There was moments in that game last night where guys were almost running into each other, like the spacing was terrible just kind of discombobulated and out of sync. And I think that's what you can expect from a team that had some key players traded at the deadline and also a team that's got a new starting lineup that it hasn't played with the entire season. And you're playing younger players. You're playing rookies that are still learning the nuances of the offense, still learning how to play NBA basketball. You combine all those things together and you get what you had last night, which is a team that played terribly after traveling two time zones in game 59 in a season that they don't really know what they're playing for at this point. It's really hard, I think, for this team right now, for everybody on that team to be like, okay, what is my motivation night in and night out? Now, I'm not cha- I'm not saying that those guys don't have their motivation, but you got to find it in a different place because when you're playing for a uh, – fighting for your playoff lives or whatever that might be, or what is your purpose? What is your point? And to Will Hardy's point, 
if you don't have that coming straight out of the gate in a game like that, with an Atlanta team who is fighting for something, they're mm-hmm. fighting to hold on to that play-in spot. Are they're they fighting the tenth, to get better. Are they in the tenth they are spot tenth in the yeah. East. Despite having a worse record than the Jazz by a half game, they are in position to make the playoffs or at least make the play-in game to get into the playoffs. And they're, and Trey Young is out right now, and so you got a lot of guys that I think that were hungry to step into a new role and step up. And you saw that play out last night where you saw somebody uh, like Jalen Johnson go out there and have a 22-point, 13-rebound game, six assists, shot two of four from three. And it, it, it was an opportunity for some guys to step up for Atlanta. So I, I think you see that in this point in the season, this is what's going to happen, unfortunately. Now, they're on the trip now. I think there's some pride that's going to kick in. I think they'll play better against Orlando. The only problem is Orlando's a really good basketball team. And Orlando is playing really well, and that's going to be really tough to go in that building and win. The Magic already came here to Salt Lake City and won. So this team is going to struggle the rest of the year. I I think this is what you're going to have to get used to, and it's part of the painful process of a rebuild is you're going to have these moments late in the season. We had this last year. You got, I mean, once the trade deadline happened, Mike Conley's gone, you're like, oh, oh, I see what's happening here. Mm. They got to shed salary. They're, they're, gathering picks for the future. This is about the future. The future is not now for this club. That's really hard from a patient standpoint as a fan to accept, but I think we all understand what's going on here, and we we all get it. But it's not any easier to go through the process of knowing, man, the Jazz probably don't have a good chance to win tonight. That kind of stinks. I mean, they're 9-21 and away from home this year. Did, did uh, Ben Carroll hadn't, wasn't even playing last night, right? And he's questionable for tomorrow night. Uh, plus the two guys who I can't stand the most in this league, the Wagner brothers. Ooh. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What? Why do you hate the Wagner uh, brothers? Because I think last night they bought, they combined for like 40 points because Ben Carroll didn't play. Well, you didn't answer my question. <laughs> Why do you hate the Wagner brothers? I'm going to start calling them Wagner from That's now That's weird hate. You know, Franz... Wagner was a good is a good basketball player. Franz Wagner. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just no, it's because I like him. Is that is it, it's because it's fun to have Wagner's on your team, multiple Wagner's. All right. Plus, listen, and somebody who I've never hated, I like Markel Fultz. I don't look. This is the, the Magic, and I'm pretty sure. I mean, that's a playoff basketball team, right? Yes. They're, they're 33 and 26 this year. They're, oh, yeah. They're so they're in what are prime they, the, position. The sixth or seventh seed there in the East? They're, they're fine. Yeah, well, that kind of record, are, you're like the second best team. They're, in the East. They're, they're battling for that sixth spot, that yeah. sure spot in the playoffs. They're at seventh. The Sixers yeah. have fallen all the way to sixth in the East without that weird? Joel Embiid. Well, it's, it, the, the top of the East is pretty good. And we saw that last <laughs> night with the Cleveland Cavaliers. That's a good basketball team. So right. the East is kind of quasi interesting, and the Heat have bounced back up into the top five. You know what I've always wanted to be is uh, quasi-interesting. Quasi. Did I use that word? I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, I love Are it. Are we going to add that to the list of words? No, we... no, 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 no. No, that one we need more. I, I, I can't. I have to say convey during this segment as well because that's what this is all about. It's got to be in context. To convey be... or not to convey, <laughs> that is the question. Oh, my gosh. I, again, try to explain conveying a pick to a 15-year-old. That's what I'm trying to do is, like, really – trying to help my 13- and 15-year-olds, like when we're talking about jazz, when we're talking about – and then you start going in there and be like, well, what you want to do this year is con- 
is you need to convey that pick. And and then they're like, why? Well, this isn't a very strong draft. And then they're like, well, why? Well, you don't know. There's a lot of – there aren't very good players coming out of this draft. And they're like, why not? And then you're like, I don't have any answers for you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and Danny Ainge is in the background going, yeah, yeah, it's a bad draft. You just scream at, at your kids. No more questions. <laughs> Shut up. We're conveying the pick because they can't gel. Gosh, dang it. All right, we'll take – actually, they got to win more to convey that pick. Please start winning more. Danny Ainge and Justin Zanuck, you pull the masks off. <laughs> uh, we would have got away with this rebuild if it wasn't for those meddling yeah. kids. We would have conveyed the pick, too, if it wasn't for these darn Kiri kids. All right, we'll come back. We've got more to go around the corner. We've got – it's a win ticket Wednesday, and we're going to do it right now. Here's what we're going to do. Uh, call on number 12, if you're listening to the program right now, Gets tickets to, that's right, Santana, Utah First Credit Union Amphitheater on August 21st this summer. Boy, that's a, and I live on what, where this is in the basketball, in the, or excuse me, in the football world. That's a week away from football season starting officially, right? So you can go one week to watch Santana, and then the next week, football season starts up. There you go. 801 575 Zone. That's 801 575 Zone. 801 575 9663. You get a pair of tickets to Santana at Utah First Credit Union Amphitheater on August 21st. Okay, we'll take a break. We've got more to go around the corner. We will have our NFL Blitz. Hey, Zach Wilson's in the news. Great news for him. Hopefully great news for his career. More to go right here. 97.5 DKSL Sports Zone. All the latest news and notes from the league and the locals in the NFL. JJ and Alex bring you the NFL Blitz Ah! on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. We where we are exactly. We've given we've given them permission um, to talk to other teams about a trade. I'm going to circle back with Brian at some point, either this week or next week, just to see how those conversations go. Other than that. There's, there's nothing else to report. <laughs> Stop it. Oh, my gosh. Okay. We got... <laughs> Listen. This is twice today. Was that Joe? Was that Joe? Uh, was that your guy, Joe Douglas? I say your guy because you're a big Jets guy, right? Jeremy, come on. It was on the season ticket call list. I know. We, you know what? <laughs> My favorite was is that you kept getting the calls from the season ticket people. Hi, it's it's Suzanne again from the Jets season ticket office. And how are you, Jeremy? I just you're wanted like, to <laughs> see how it was going. What <laughs> they could give me. Oh, glad to know. it blew up. It blew up in our faces. You would you would have done it if Aaron Rodgers would have called. Oh, now hold on a minute. That's your next plan. The problem was is that becoming Jet season ticket holders financially didn't work out for anybody. <laughs> like flying out. What was it I was going to try to do? It was like two, three games a year, and then sell the rest. But we looked at it and people were not. You showed it. You were like, uh. Resale tickets on those uh, Jets tickets are not great. That was because this was all pre-Aaron Rodgers. It would have been a losing endeavor. Yes. Speaking of which, the Jets. Shocking. Something involved with the Jets. A losing endeavor. (laughs) Wow. I'm telling you. The NFL Blitz, by the way, 
I'm just mentioning this because it says it right here on the paper in front of us. But self-promotion is always good. Join us on Friday. JJ and Alex is going to be on the road for the ninth annual Salt Lake Off-Road and Outdoor Expo at Mountain America America Expo Center Sunday. (laughs) Check out the cool stuff there and get great deals. Uh, While getting in some of the off-road and uh, gear that they have there, I'm telling you, you got to go check it out. You know what the best part is? What? Kids 12 and under are free. Boom. Uh, if you want to get tickets, slorex.com. No, that's not the, uh, that is a, that is what they're calling it. The Lorex? No, no. Slorex. Okay. So what it is, Salt Lake Off-Road and Outdoor Expo. Slorex. Slorex.com. S-L-O-R-E-X. S-L-O-R-E-X.com. Got it. Okay. Looking forward to Friday. We'll be there. Uh, yeah, this is the kind of stuff where you're like, I did want to get myself a Jeep that crawled up walls. I need that. <laughs> I was thinking about this. Hey, honey. Who doesn't want that? Terraflex. Have you heard of it? All right. Uh, Zach Wilson, as you just heard from uh, from the GM of the Losing Endeavor New York Jets, Joe Douglas is not, I mean, look. The guy has already said a bunch of bad stuff about Zach Wilson, but now says, oh, you know what? He's able to go out there and seek a trade. Compensation looks like probably a day three pick, which is what? Six, seven? Four through seven. Four through seven? All right. Free Zach Wilson. Yeah. Now, I do think that, I, I don't know, you tell me. Is Zach Wilson... Going to get picked up by a team who's going to give him another shot as a backup, yeah. or as somebody who they'll throw into the into the mix and just say, "Hey, our team's really bad." But that, if you're Zach Wilson, that's not the situation you want to be in. What's the perfect situation for Zach Wilson right now, Jeremiah? Go to a contender with a well-experienced head coach who has a lot of success developing and working with quarterbacks. So, Sean Payton in Denver, Andy Reid in Kansas City, Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco, Jim Harbaugh in San Diego, or should I say San Diego? <laughs> That's just a few. Yeah. There's more. There's others in the league. Uh, how about in Green Bay? Okay. Uh, let me see here. Who just, was their ba- Who was Jordan Love's backup this last year? Do we know? Ooh. It's tough being a tough being a backup these days. Uh, Clifford, the old uh, no, Penn State quarterback, the one that oh yeah, the one that beat uh, yep. the Utes in the uh, no, you got it in the in the Rose Bowl in the Rose Bowl right two years ago yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe a what about Los Broncos? Yes, yeah, Sean Payton, Denver. That's a good match. Yeah, and. You need a quarterback guy, though. You don't want a Robert Sala. You don't want... No, no, no. Don't go... I don't know. Like, what are the other bad situations Is Mike Holmgren still head coach in the league somewhere? Let's see if we can hook him up. Because that used to be somebody you could go to. Although Andy Reid is the protege, right? And and you heard in the uh, promo there with DJ and PK. PK brought it up. What about Zach Wilson to... uh... And look, what, what needs to happen? Uh, does somebody at BYU need to make a phone call to Andy? Say, hey, just look at my guy. Give him a shot. That could be a situation that could really work out. Something like that will help Zach Wilson's career and might save it. What happened to Steve Young? 
Let's use Steve Young, uh, Steve Young as an example. How did things go for Steve Young in his first couple years in the NFL? In the creamsicle suit? Not yeah, good. An Not absolute, good. It was a dumpster fire. Who did he back up? Like Steve DeBerg or something? Or he was played? like he was in between Steve DeBerg and Vinny Testaverde yeah, oh, yeah. with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And it didn't go well. It was ugly. They had a bad coach. Uh, what happens? He gets traded to San Francisco, sits on the bench behind one of the all-time greats and one of the great coaches in NFL history, and it completely changes the course of his career and his life, and he ends up becoming a Hall of Famer and a Super Bowl champion. It's not about when you get picked. It's where you go. And Zach Wilson would have been better off as a 22nd pick than the second pick because it would have meant not going to the New York Jets, which is a trash organization and a trash media market. It might be the biggest media market in the country, but they're awful there. Sharks. Absolute sharks. And Zach was the meat. So uh, wish he, the best he, for the he kid. needs he needs he needs new surroundings. He needs wish a, the best for the kid. He needs everything, but uh, he's got to do his part. But he needs a better situation for him to reach his potential. Did you see that the uh, annual these have become these have become way more fun to read than they've than they. Uh, we never asked about this or cared about it before, but now the NFLPA team report cards. This is great. It's a genius thing to do because it makes teams have to respond. Best team in the NFL this year was who won the Super Bowl? Kansas City, ranked thirty first out it of thirty two. <laughs> ranked thirty first out of thirty two teams when it came to the NFLPA report card. Wow! Now that's by the players. You want to hear how they did? Yeah. Treatment of families D plus. Really? Food and cafeteria C minus. Nutrition and dietitian F. Locker room F. Training room D. Training staff. Imagine being the guy who taped up the ankles for, for, uh, for Travis Kelsey, and you see the training staff got an F. Dead last in the league. Weight room C plus. Strength coaches C plus. <laughs> I thought it said strength cookies. That's just where my head's at. Team travel D. This is the best team in the league, by the way. Ownership ownership F minus. The Hunt family not getting a lot. Of wow. Head coach, A+. Plus. That's the only category they rank anywhere, even in the top 15. Isn't that crazy? And I have been out to the Chiefs facility. It's it not great. Sucks. Yeah, yeah, see? Because I've been to others, and it's not even close so to as that nice. starts with the ownership, right? Where the yeah, ownership goes, oh, yeah. Mm. But this is awful because... Arrowhead Stadium's kind of a dump, too. Well, this is what's awful about it. Is you have an F minus ownership, you have your thirty first out of thirty two teams when it comes to the NFLPA, like you know the 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 you know the these are the players by the way saying that their that their facilities are garbage that their food is garbage that their treatment of families is a D plus, right? Their head coach A plus, awesome. But what does it show you? Ownership across the league goes well. Look, they have garbage facilities. And they will just won won themselves a Super Bowl. So what do you need on this list, JJ? You look at all these things, all the bad things. You, uh, there are F's and D's in basically every category. What is the only thing you need then? A head coach. That's it. That's it. Now, it probably helps you also have a pretty decent quarterback. But head coach, that's all they do. They go, look, just get us a head coach. We can have garbage facilities and we'll be fine. We have to dive in on the report card at some uh, other days too. We got... 
Well, tomorrow is that going to work? Let's do a full hour tomorrow. I don't want to talk jazz going in Orlando. I want to talk a full hour of the <laughs> NFLPA report cards. Okay, any guesses on the dead last team? Shouldn't be that hard to guess. Jets. No. No, their facilities are amazing. Are they? Just think of, think of the worst team, but in retrospect now, they got a brand new owner. And things might be on the up and up. Ah, uh, the commandos. Los commanders. There you go. Dead last in the league. Almost F's in every category except for. Is it Daniel Snyder? Well. They're like sandwiches on I game was going to really ask good. the question, is Daniel Snyder the worst owner in the history of sports? And then I corrected myself because Donald Sterling. Donald Sterling. There's showed probably everybody. been even worse, too. So. Showed everybody. Why are there so many bad owners? Listen, I don't know. And that's why you got to count yourself lucky because we have some here that are willing to throw absolute resources at making sure the community loves the team and they get good teams here. Before they're even here yet, by the way. We've got yeah. a bet- we've got a better NFL owner over here across the street in uh in Ryan Smith than the <laughs> How, how long did. before Ryan Smith brings the NHL or the NFL to Oh, Utah. yeah, let's do it. Come yeah. on, Ryan. Make it happen. Just give me a rendering. A little, little uh, taste. In an NFL give stadium me a rendering. rendering. Somebody pointed out, they go, why are there no mountains in the background of the rendering? We're going to build an NFL stadium in Vineyard. Oh, I think you mean Utah City. Oh, sorry. <laughs> There's room. There's room. There's, There's room. Still- I don't know if they'll pass the soil uh, test out there. They built Top Golf out there. It's too late. <laughs> They're gonna have to put. They'll put the stadium That's out there. That's across the street. They'll put the stadium on stilt out there in Utah Lake. Boom. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so, the NFL's first floating what stadium. What of you? What of you? All right. Smells nice out here. <laughs> don't tell touch what, the water. Tell me what used to be out here in the lake. You don't want to know. Back to you, Bill. Geneva Stadium. <laughs> Geneva's the worst, the least of their concerns. All right, we'll t- we'll take a break. We'll come back. We got more to go. Stay right here, 975 VKSL Sports Zone. <laughs> Wrapping up the hour with our picks for the best and worst moments on today's show. As JJ and Alex want to hear your best and worst of the day. All right, welcome back. It is JJ and Alex, 97.5 VKSL Sports Zone. Final segment of this hour. Getting you ready for. Boy, we've got a whole week just. We've got a whole week and weekend packed full of fun stuff, all right? And uh, not the least of which is our best and worst right now, which, of course, uh, I do want to mention, though, Def Leppard and their the Summer Stadium Tour 2024 is going to make a stop at the Utah First Credit Union Amphitheater on September 10th. Your tickets are online right now, livenation.com. But uh, I think tomorrow we're giving away tickets, right? All shows, all day? I mean, you put it in front of me, Jeremy. Then maybe so. Let me look. All right, stand by. If not, Jeremy's going to be on the hook for a lot of tickets. I'm in trouble then, yes. Boom. (laughs) Hey, Jeremy, you know you can get those tickets to buy that you fake gave away almost? LiveNation.com. There you go. We do have tickets tomorrow, so Booyah! get ready. There you go. Yeah, man, that's for Def Leppard, dude. That's amazing. All right. Pour some sugar on me. Uh, <laughs> the most, like, oh, pour some sugar on me, I guess. Can, we don't have time now, but next week we'll get into that. I, yeah, we will. What is that? What do the lyrics of that song mean? Mm, I don't want to read any of them. This is a family show. Okay. All right? So... Uh, let's start with the worst. 
Worst of the day was also the best because it's the best TV show. I don't know. Maybe it's the second best. I was obsessed with three shows while I was in college. The very beginnings of these shows, too. Well, in this case, it, the, Chappelle, entourage? the Chappelle show. Nope. <laughs> You're not an entourage the, guy? Uh, the Chappelle show for the brief moment that yes. it was uh, it was alive during my college years. I mean, that's a the British office because I'm a hipster like that. Oh, the original? You've never heard of it? Mm. Ricky Gervais, you've never heard of it? The British version's funnier <laughs> than the American version. It's only two seasons long, or two seasons and a special, so yeah. it's not the same. Uh, but Curb Your Enthusiasm. Loved that show. And uh, it is the best show that I don't recommend you let your kids watch. Okay? But uh, the worst of the news is, of course, that Richard Lewis, who was a fixture on that program... A, the best friend slash heel to Larry David. In real life as well. Also in real life. Uh, passed away today at the age of 76 after battling Parkinson's disease. Ended up uh, having a heart attack. And Richard Lewis, who's been having a whole host of, of health issues over the past few years, has uh, passed away today. So JJ went into the archives because he and I both share this love. And so does our producer Jeremy for uh, Kirby Enthusiasm. And because he has the same kind of macabre sense of humor that Larry David does, he found this clip of Richard Lewis on Kirby Enthusiasm. You know, you can sit here, but you can't go to Broadway when I'm selling out show after show for 10 weeks. We have an obligation and balance, okay? Because I don't do anything to invite you to, but you do things to invite me to. I offered you, I offered you opera seats. You mean up there on the side, looking yeah, down? The Mussolini's view. The, the Mussolini view. Yeah, those are good. Oh, I said Mussolini. You said Mussolini. You know, it's it, not it, Mussolini like muesli. It's not. No, it's it's like not like a cereal. I, compare, I confuse it with Mussolex. I take that for my coughs. Now, as a resident of Santa Monica, I want to give everyone in Santa Monica the ability to achieve higher education. You never call me. You always pick the restaurant. What are, you, what are, you, are we married? I don't, I don't understand. Am I dating you? You hate people. Your wardrobe sucks. I do, sucks. so what? My wardrobe? You're talking about my wardrobe? Yeah, put this wardrobe look, look down. Look at you. I'm one of the best dressed comics I've ever lived. You're the worst dressed person I've ever this, seen. You're comparing this? I can't this? even look at you. I get depressed. When are you going to die? <laughs> you just... Don't will you, will you please die? That was pure improv by two geniuses. Nobody would laugh at that harder than Richard Lewis. Yes, because Larry David, while he asked that question, while they're filming, when are you going to die? And then he just starts laughing at his own question <laughs> because it was it was obviously because Richard Lewis was at that moment even going through some of his most difficult health yeah. challenges. And Larry David improving that, why would you hex me, right? But Richard Lewis. uh Dead at the age of 76, he'll be missed. Interesting, though, because I think they got, I think that, I mean, all the filming is done for this recent season, right? It's all, yeah. Yeah, it's a wrap. He's in the final season. It's great. Uh, as it should be. So there you go. Uh, the passing of Richard Lewis. There you go. Taking a break here. We'll come back. Uh, more to go around the corner. Our show is always brought to you by G2G bars, all natural ingredients, no preservatives. The G2G bar is the perfect protein bar. Find it at a, a refrigerated section of the local grocery near you. We will come back. Uh, like I said, more to go on the corner, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Wherever you go, we'll take Ladies and gentlemen. You're locked into JJ and Alex. With the insight and analysis on the teams you can't live without. Presented by G2G Bars. This is 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone.
Oh, get a big old box of tissues ready. Wah! Wah! For the, for, was that? I feel like that was uh, that was Will Forte as the guy with the ponytail lying on. Oh no, it's the guy on the plane. Yes. On, I think you should leave. Yeah. Wah! Because when that kid was, he ruined his previous trip, so he He's tried all, to come back and ruin his trip when he was an adult, and oh, it didn't work. I went work. through your garbage. He got foiled He's because all, sorry. he sat in the wrong seat. That's not your seat. That's actually this seat. Oh my gosh, that's a good skit. It is the weirdest skit, though. But the end is so funny when it he is. finds out that he was sitting in the wrong seat and it foiled his plan. My that he spent years and years conjuring up. Oh, yes. Digging through the man's garbage to find out. Yes. Uh, so the Wham Wham Award goes to ACC basketball coach uh, for the Clemson Tigers, Brad Brownell, who has basically said – Basketball is dying this year. Jeez. Because is that his quote? I don't think you that's could, is that his quote? I don't yeah, think that's get, a real here, quote. I'm gonna give him a I'm gonna get him I'm gonna give him a uh, southern accent. I mean, look, you can manipulate the net. And whether people want to say the net is is the be all end all, it's all anybody talks about. That's why it's so powerful. There's a strength of schedule dynamic there in the Big Twelve. It's managed with, and they've managed it with their schedule. They're scheduling non-conference teams playing 300-level games, winning by 40 and 50, to manipulate the defense and offensive efficiency numbers. Now, the basketball college basketball conference net ratings. You ready for this? I've got it for you. Because the Big 12, if they are manipulating the net rankings, and that's the end-all, be-all, they are indeed their number one in net rankings as a conference. The Big 10 is number two. The SEC is number three. The ACC comes in fourth, and the ACC right now has three teams who are set to make March Madness, according to the bracketologists. Now, here's where I'm going to poo-poo your entire theory there, uh, Coach Brad. The Mountain West is the seventh, is seventh in the in the uh, net rankings by conference. Guess how many teams they're going to get in the uh, in the in the, in, NC, in the NCAA tournament. Doubling up your numbers, brother. So, which one is it? They manipulated the net rankings to get six teams in? I don't think so. The ACC has had a down year. No doubt about it. Clemson is not a good basketball team right now. Okay? They're not going to get in the NCAA tournament. Boo freaking who? Manipulating the net rankings? Fine. You also have to win those games by 30 and 40 points. Guess what else you have to do, JJ? You got to go into your conference play and you got to beat pretty dang good teams, which is what the Big 12 is doing to each other. They are winning. It is phenomenal basketball. They're the best home uh, stadiums in the entire country as a conference. And the ACC is pouting about the net ranking systems being manipulated. Meh. It's my Will Forte again. If the ACC had nine teams in like the Big 12, would he be saying anything? Nope. They would go, look, you can do what we do every year. And they're going to try to, by the way. They're going to. I also love that you gave Brad Brownwell, <laughs> Brownell, a deep south accent when he's from Evansville. Indiana. I know. I know. I just assume, look, Clemson's below the Mason-Dixon line, so I just gave him a southern accent. It works. Really? He's, Dabo. Right. <laughs> he's Dabo. Everybody that coaches at Clemson talks like this. All right. Uh, we'll be back again tomorrow another edition of JJ and Alex. I'll be at a short one. 97.5 VKSL Sports Zone.